everybody. Welcome back to Midwestern Fins Podcast. It's your boy, Taylor Ballard, with my trusty co-host, Matt Hagler. We're back from hiatus. What's going on? Uh, just living the dream. Sorry, I haven't had, I haven't had much time. I uh, just got my degree in whatever, so I had to make a, a really strong push that last, last couple weeks. So, For those of you that on. don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. I was just going to say, for those of you that don't know, your two Midwestern Fins podcast hosts are both engineers now. So what do you what think about that? Boy. Yeah. Congratulations, Maggie. Welcome to the club, homie. Appreciate I'm it. proud of hell with you. I'm so proud of you, man. That's good shit. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. What's the... Uh, I feel like we got to do a typical Midwestern topic right away. How much snow have you gotten this year? Too much. <laughs> Too much. Like I, like I hit negatives in like October. Like I think early October even. So it's been winter early. Uh, completely same thing here in the old uh, Western South Dakota. Um, I actually had to shut my plant down for two days because it was snowing so hard. Nobody could actually get to work. Yeah, that sounds about right. I drive one hour each way every day to go to work. And the Friday after Thanksgiving, and let me remind you, I've been making this trip, the same trek from my house to my house. Uh-oh, Midwestern Internet. Still there? Yep, I hear you now. Hello? Lost. Hey there. Midwestern uh, in. Come on, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Fucking Colorado. Some IT guy is probably really high right now. Probably. But what I, what I was saying is, I've been making this same, you know, 47 mile drive for a good seven years of my life. And the drive that I had to work. Friday after Thanksgiving was the worst one I've ever had. I'm cool with driving in snow. I can do it. I've done it. I'm all right with going 75. No problem. But the roads were so bad, I could only go 40 miles an hour without sliding off the road. Yeah, I hate when that happens. It was honestly terrifying. Because I like to ask people, you know, like as a safety coordinator, you know, what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? And some people will be like, oh, I used to ride wheelies on motorcycles or go skydiving or cliff jumping or whatever. But nobody ever says driving. So I'll say Midwest drivers, a lot better than most places. But driving is still terrifying and it's got to be the most dangerous thing that I've ever done because I cannot control the other 14 people that are on the road. Exactly. So you know, if we go down probably drunk because of South Dakota, you know. Yeah. So shout out to Wecknerd. Last week I got to go experience Houston, Texas for the first time. And Mr. Matthias drove hundred and ten miles to have dinner with me. What a beast. Heck yeah, and just for our listeners, it's the same same Weck that was on our show like what, three? months ago, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, same whack. 
and I had a really good time. It was nice. Um, we talked a lot about the Miami Dolphins. What do you uh, what do you think about the Miami Dolphins' current state there, Haggy? Um, I mean, they're playing their heart out, which is cool. But like, I don't know, man. There's some there's some cool things with Flores that I like, and then there's some things where I'm like, eh. But like, I need to fully. I can't just like ramble off the top of my head about it. I have to like sit down and make like a full case. So I'll save that for a different pod. I guess the main thing, and you said it already, is that this team is playing really hard, and you can tell. Um, Absolutely. And I guess if we're going back to Flores, maybe something I've noticed is it doesn't seem like there's as many questionable calls or play calls or whatever you want to do um, as before. Uh, since since our last episode, we got to see the coolest fake field goal ever. Shout out to yeah. – your boy, Matt Hawk. <laughs> That's right. I fucking defended him for months. All you motherfuckers were like, oh, he sucks, he sucks. Ha. <laughs> One of the best I, touchdowns in Dolphins history. I'm not going to lie. And I'm probably really far-fetched here, and I'm definitely playing a little bit of Homer. But how fucking cool would it be if the Dolphins won best play back-to-back seasons? Well, I think well they had this little voting thing last year where that the fans voted on their best play or on the best play, and clearly like clearly Miami's was the best play, but the fans voted for some other stupid thing because Dolphins fans are not really great at voting at stuff. Um, I, but you know, it is. I mean, that's fair. I would say that's definitely a candidate to be the the best play of the year again too i mean that was that was phenomenal they had everybody like i wouldn't say fooled but like they just had the perfect execution right there like like jason sanders was really like slippery there and my favorite part of it is you could see like the pictures like one of the stills from it matt hawk has got a big fucking smile right across (laughs) his face as he's about to throw it he was doing the uh, Josh Rosen grid. Yeah. Like, you know, and did you have any flashbacks of the game against the Colts where Tannehill got sacked and, like, nobody blocked for him in the last play of the game? Did you have any flashbacks of that? Dude, it's, it's been, like, yeah, it's been, like, all season. I actually thought when I first saw it, I was like, thank God they're in shotgun. Because I don't know if you remember, like, one year the Colts were playing the Patriots, and they did, like, a big field goal kind of like that. And the guy was under center, though. So as soon as he snapped the ball, he just kind of lit up. Yeah, I remember that play. I really do. Like, there's a breakdown on YouTube of um, from the Pat McAfee show where Pat's actually um, breaking it down, like, saying, like, this is how it went wrong. And it was just pretty ridiculous. But really, really funny at the same time. So I'm glad that he's in shotgun. Yeah, most definitely. Pat McAfee has got to be one of the best sports commentators out there. Like, that guy's got the ideal persona of a dude that I want to watch and listen to regularly. Right? Like, so he he's only, like, commentated on a couple of NFL games. Like, maybe a handful, right? And 
those ones were probably like the like some of the most fun things to listen to. Like it's, I think if you were to put him in the commentator booth with Tony Romo, the shit would be so oh, lit. Oh my goodness! The only the only other color commentator that um, I have a hard on for, and I'm gonna tell you guys this because I've tweeted it before, but Kevin Harlan is fucking phenomenal at his job. And the, um, I actually go ahead. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure who he is. Like maybe if you pointed out him, like listening to it, so, I'd be able to. So Kevin, but. yeah, Kevin Harlan is the guy that does NBC Sports Radio. So he works. Um, he most of the color commentary that he does is designed around people that listen to games on the radio. And oh, okay. how well how well he can describe every single play as it's happening has translated incredibly well into doing a live feed where people are actually watching the game in hand. So if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to a Kevin Harlan broadcast on NBC Sports for Sunday Night Football or whatever, go out of your way and do it because this guy is basically who I would love to be as a podcaster. If I could get to that point, I feel like I'd be sold. Wait, so is is he the guy with Chris Collinsworth then? No, no, that's my Al Michaels. That's that's the live broadcast that you watch on TV. Kevin Harlan used to be radio only. So it's a completely separate broadcast than the ones you actually see on TV. Oh, okay. So he just does the stuff for fun then, almost. Well, yes and no. I mean, he's hired by NBC Sports Radio to call the games over oh, the radio. Oh, gotcha. So, okay, I'm with you. He, like, you know, if, so for example, like, you know, Saints 49ers, right? If he was calling that game, he would be like, you know, Garoppolo drops back fourth and two and would say that he throws it short to George Kittle. George Kittle breaks a tackle down the sideline. Stiff arm, still not down, you know, like the color commentator, but he would explain the play as it's happening to you so you can visualize it just from the audio. Gotcha. All right, all right. I'm actually kind of excited to uh, listen to that little tidbit. I, I like doing that. I actually uh, thought about call. I called a one baseball game um, in my life um, this last summer. I got to go up in the booth and call a baseball game, and uh, I actually had a really good time. I think that if you got good at remembering numbers and you could tell which players were who as you're going through, color commentary on uh, you know a radio game, radio's got to be so much fun. Honestly, like I'm, I'm pretty good about doing that. Um, like watching the game live, but it's only mostly with Dolphins players. Like, obviously, I don't remember all the people, <laughs> all the people on the other teams. But um, that would be it. You're right. That'd be a heck of a lot of fun. Um, one of my favorite commentators was the. Uh, or, I'm sorry. I wanted to talk about commentators I didn't like. Dan Fouts. What yeah, fuck Fouts. Him? Oh, like, my God. The guy hates on everybody. Well, and it's like, Terrible. unless you're the Patriots, like, the dude will just, it's just nonstop. Like, whenever, it's just, he's always got Brady's dick in his mouth. Like, even if he's not even playing in the game, like, it's so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like he was, he was calling, like, the Dolphins 
Chargers game or some shit one time, and, like, he brought up the Patriots, like, five times at least. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is a Dolphins game, which is sad because, like, I like Ian Eagle. He's, like, a good play-by-play guy. Like, and his, listening to him, like, call the Miami Miracle was great, but, man, like, like, I, I do not want Dan Fouts to ever be calling a Dolphins game whenever I'm watching them, you know? I, I feel like, no, I, I, I'm totally agreeing with you, and I don't want to go away from Dan Fouts because, you know, fuck Fouts. Um, someone tried, I saw someone on Twitter was like, if you'd ever watch Dan Fouts play, just picture a West Coast Marino. And I'll tell you what, they both have the same number of Super Bowl rings, so I guess that's the only thing you can compare them by. <laughs> It's one of my favorite things for you to bring that up to troll people on Twitter. Yeah, so whoever, uh, all all negative 14 people that are going to listen to this podcast, if you actually yeah. listen and you paid attention to anything that we've said over the course of um, the last seven months or so that we've been doing this, uh, I've never once said Dan Marino wasn't a great quarterback, but I love how mad you guys get when I just tell you that he didn't win. And if you tell me I'm wrong, that's fine. But you're wrong by thinking that he actually won shit. Um, I don't want to rub any salt in the wounds, but I'm going to dump alcohol on it instead. Dan Marino's last game was 62-7 to in the lost column. So you guys can sit down for a little bit. Holy cow. <laughs> so I actually back didn't know to – well, they lost in the playoffs to the Jaguars, man. 62-7. to seven. The Jaguars? The Jaguars, yes. Yeah. Uh, back to something that you had said. is You were talking about, like, fuck Dan Fouts uh, bringing up the Patriots all the time. I yeah. fucking hate that moniker that the Dolphins have now because Brian Flores came from the Patriots system. If there's right. anything that I want from a Miami Dolphins fan is to separate myself from the fucking Patriots as far as I can. And by the yeah. people that are excited that our team is going to start to reflect the Patriots because they've been cheating all these years, you can get that shit out of here. I want to be the fucking Miami Dolphins. I don't want to be the South Beach Patriots. I don't want to be the Dady Cheaters. I don't give a shit. I want to be the fucking Miami Dolphins again. Yeah. I agree. And I feel I feel like we're we're going to be stuck with that for literally ever. Like because Belichick is probably going to pass Shula as most wins all time, as soon as that happens, the Dolphins will literally have nothing. The only thing that we're going to have is Dan Marino was the greatest quarterback of all time because he could throw a ball 47 miles, but it didn't matter because Shula didn't win with Marino. Shula won with the fucking hurt Bob Greasy and a no-name defense. Yeah, so, and so um, one of the things that I'll say with Shula, right, is um, so this is I have a case for him being better than Bill Belichick, and it, and if you're right, Bill Belichick might get more than or more wins than him. It kind of depends on like um, if they're gonna if he's gonna keep going after Brady retires which I imagine to be soon, honestly. Um, so, he, like, Bill Belichick 
has a Hall of Fame quarterback with Tom Brady, right? Don Shula has yeah. two Hall of Fame quarterbacks under his belt with Marino and Three. 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 Johnny Unitas, yeah, too. Well, yeah, that's when he was with the Colts, though. I guess. It doesn't matter. Right. Fair enough. Right? And then they both are going to end up having a good amount of Hall of Famers just because of their defenses and stuff. And then the and then Don Shula, right? He has two rings, one perfect season. Still has six rings, right? But yep. how many cheating scandals has Don Shula had? None. Zero. Zilch. Because they didn't have that kind of technology then. He literally won by playing the game. Right. And you know what? The... Like, if anything, like, I've had a Patriots fan point out, like, like oh, like, the Dolphins, like, getting Shula was, like, tampering or some shit. It's like, well, getting him was tampering, yeah. But that wasn't Don Shula coaching that tampering, you know what I mean? What? They did, They traded a pick for him, right? They traded a pick and took over the salary? I think eventually they did, but I think, like, there was, a, there was a little bit of hinkiness before, from what I understand, which is, yeah, like, okay. almost insignificant. The Dolphins ended up losing a pick for it, though. Um, but then, also, like, and I mean, like, there's a lot of Patriots fans who are like, oh, this was all in the past or whatever. Um, but the, uh, but, like, they could say it's all in the past, but then it just happens again. Like, it's literally the same thing that it was going on. Like, beforehand, yeah. you know? Like, like a guy saying, oh, I'm with Kraft Enterprises, I'm not technically with the Patriots or whatever. Like, and then they, they tried to, he tried to delete the film before, like, he got the camera taken away. Like, that's shady as hell. Like, you know, if you were not doing, if you are doing things the right way, like you were claiming to do, you wouldn't have even, like, said anything about, like, I, I want to delete this. You just yeah. like, here's my stuff. Like, it's all, like, footage of the scouts and then some of the players on the field, not, like, minutes and minutes of coaching signals on the sideline. What I don't understand is why they did that to a one-win team or a winless team at the time. Um, I think it was, personally, I think it was like, okay, these, nobody's really going to pay attention at this game, so we can kind of get the system down, work out some of the kinks, right? Like, that's my... I wonder if it, I wonder if it has to do with the Bengals being in the same division as the Ravens. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I mean, they were playing the Browns, too, which, I mean, maybe, but, like, if they were going to get signals on anyone they want signals on the Ravens I feel like you know or the Steelers right so yeah fuck the Patriots this yeah. is a Patriots hate podcast what was that Absolutely. what did you say it's a Patriots hate podcast yeah okay cool I agree are you alright with that yeah I'm great with that well, let's uh let's stop talking about the the Patriots. Let's go back to the Dolphins for a couple minutes before we get out of yeah. here. I think we're at 20 minutes right now. We don't want you guys to stay too long, but if you're still listening this far, all negative 14 of you, that's good. But 
at the beginning of the season, we talked about like players that we were excited to see. Has there been anybody that has like shown you uh, something that's been surprising on either good or bad? And like, have you seen someone that's been disappointing or someone that's exceeded expectations yet? So the two people I think I mentioned as being excited to watch were Minka Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard. And you know how both of that went. So, like, I'm actually, I'm really pleased with how Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki have been playing. And that's not just because I have Gesicki in Travis's league, which I'm dominating, by the way. Travis, if you're listening, I'm going to win the Speaking championship. Speaking of Travis, didn't Travis, like, win some jersey shit from PFN, a Kamara jersey. Dude, you're a Dolphins fan. Yeah, just follow, check his Twitter feed. Travis won a fucking signed Alvin Kamara jersey, which I'm jealous about, by the way. Um, But he won it from Pro Football Network. So, I guess kudos to them. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had Sutton and House on on here not too long ago. Actually, I think Sutton was a while ago. Sutton was a while ago. Houts was pretty recent relative to our podcast episode level, but um, right. side note, sorry for this, but Haggy recorded an entire podcast with the Rock Pile Report and never actually hit record. <laughs> and it's awesome because the first time that we recorded with Rock Pile, they're like, hey, we're also going to record this just in case you forget to. And then the next time, everybody forgot anyway. So they yeah. talked on the phone for an hour and a half or however long it was and didn't have any material saved. So, yeah, uh, sorry about that, usually, Rock Pile guys. Yeah, I, I sent him a uh, case of beer. Um, and uh, what's funny is, like, so Taylor's usually the one to press record on this stuff, and he was late. Like, he only shut up the last, like, 15 minutes or so. And so I was like, yeah, cool. Like, they had their own schedule. I was like, cool, like, we'll just start without him whatever and so i didn't think about it taylor didn't think about it when he hopped on so uh that was great but but, uh, i guess what we're getting at i forgot um devontae parker and mike gesicki have been really good um they've been really breaking out you could tell like now like at least some of the coaching has been good you know like at least positionally so, Except for offensive line and running back, which are – oh, my God. I love Patrick Laird, though. The I actually like Gaskin more, personally. Really? Yeah, he's shifty. I'm, I'm curious to see where the Dolphins decide to go with running back. Um, I don't think that there's any really big-name free agent running backs that are going to be coming up. I feel really bad. I, I'm like – I genuinely feel bad for Kalen Balaj because I don't think that guy didn't care, but he just doesn't have the skill set everybody thought he did. And honestly, they probably didn't build the system around what he was capable of. He has like four touchdowns this year, right? And they're all from running a, a similar play. They just didn't all, like you. I, I don't know. And uh, I don't really remember the last time we talked, but. Mark Walton's a fucking idiot. I'm, I don't need that shit on our team. Yeah, so, agreed. And then with Kalen Balazs, like, I mean, he's got he's got some talent. And, like, he, 
his uh, touchdowns were all on power running plays this year, I think. But, like, so with Balazs, what I would do, like, I feel like what he's doing is he's trying too hard to just go full steam ahead right off the bat, right? So that's why he's always running into the back of his lineman, not even seeing a hole, right? Because he always – I feel like whenever I watch him, he kind of also has his head down a little bit, like lowered, right? So, yeah, like – it's good to get like a little bit of momentum going when you do it, but I think him working on keeping his eyes up a little bit, like slowing down just a little bit at first, and getting his like his jab steps in, um, to be able to quickly flip to a new hole. I mean, there's not many holes that the offense line is making anyway, but there have been some like wide open holes where he misses that entirely and just hits the offensive lineman and just kind of keeps trying to drive behind them and push them forward. <laughs> and I think if he can work on, like, eyes up, kind of like finding that and then seeing the hole and punching it, I think he'd be more successful and at least get up to, like, a three-yard per carry where I think he's about, like, two. He's at 1.9. 1.9, 1. 1. 1. 1. yeah. And yeah, he's then, like the first run. First running back in NFL history to have, you know, 200 touches or whatever, an average under 200. He's so bad that he's worse than Trent Richardson. Thanks. And I mean, he is a young player, so there's still room to grow. But if he can work on that and then also work on his hands coming out of the backfield, then I think he can – I think he can develop. Like, I'm not – like, I'm – obviously, I've been frustrated with him. But I think – because and especially when we had Drake, because that's who I thought should be our running back. He's incredibly talented. I mean, he just dominated in Arizona the other week, where he put up like yeah. four touchdowns. Yeah, four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Right. I, I do want to take a step back with with Bulaj really quick, though. If you kind of yeah. reference back, he had a hundred yard game against the Vikings last season, and I think that his eighty yard touchdown run was, like, top three fastest touchdowns of the season. So maybe when I said that he doesn't have the physical traits, um, I might be wrong with that. But I also want to talk a little bit about lowering a shoulder. I wonder how much of that's, like, a mental thing where the line sucks so bad that he just got used to having to lower his shoulder immediately because he was getting hit in the backfield so much. And now it's just a bad habit that he can't break. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's that entirely. It's like, uh, you know, like it's when you get into a downhill running type thing, like you're, you just kind of get that way. So like you can kind of like get up full speed in that without having to like lose anything from like shifting around to get into that position, which like right off the bat, like pull into stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. But, like, if you look at um, some of the good running, like, the elite running backs in the league, like Saquon Barkley, uh, Frank Gore, et cetera, right, Le'Veon Bell, like, them kind of, like, almost wait before they start their first. But, and Kalen Blush is fast, like, like, and that will be great for him because, like, you get, if you can get through the hole, he is physical, and you get that speed. That's only gonna, it's only gonna make him harder to tackle, but he's just gotta, he's just gotta 
learn how to direct himself and control his body in a way that he can hit the hole right, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I really do. And I know that's, that's easier said than done. I mean, um, I'm obviously not an NFL running back, but... Yeah, true. So I guess we kind of talked about being disappointed in Balage. We You talked about being excited about Parker and Gesicki. Man, I think Preston Williams, Parker, and Gesicki is going to be a good young core for whoever um, quarterback is going to be for us next year. You know, whether it be Fitzpatrick again or Rosen or we draft one of the you know, the highly coveted top five between Tua and Burrow and Love and Fromm and Herbert or whatever. I'm actually kind of surprised I remembered all those bitches. But one pleasant surprise that I think that I've had is Stephen Parker, cornerback on defense, has two interceptions this season. Uh, he is an undrafted rookie, and he basically got thrown to the Wolves multiple times, and I think the same thing goes for Nick Nito. And uh, I don't know how much I actually care for pro football focus or PFF scores, but I think Nick Nito has had, like, above 90 score two or three times this season, which is actually, you know, like, considering to them an elite level. So if we were looking back at previous Miami Dolphins, the only ones that were getting to that point were, you know, Nadomnik and Sue and Cameron Wake. Very rarely in yeah. video. So, um, when Xavier Howard comes back and if the Dolphins decide to go after a cornerback, if you guys follow me on Twitter, I've said a few times that I think Chris Harris Jr. would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but with you know with the way that these young corners have been playing in a scheme that's really hard to learn, where they got to play multiple positions and they got to play multiple scenes and they got to do that bump and run man covered stuff. I'm actually fairly excited to see how that group develops as a whole. Absolutely. And, and uh, oh, sorry. <coughs> like no, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that'd be great. And I, uh, either Chris Harris Jr. or like there's a, there's a cornerback for LSU that, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but he looks like he's, legit and then or next year or the year after uh certain's kid is going to be coming up from alabama so yeah Pat's lockdown. yeah but so, i'm pretty sure he's so if the dolphins go after a cornerback that they're going to draft or whatever um i think something that probably happened with minka too was i want the dolphins to draft a player that is going to excel at one position rather than be okay at other positions. So we can we can reference Eric Rowe right here. Eric Rowe got brought in to play cornerback, and he struggled. So they adjusted him to a free safety. And he's been playing <coughs> relatively well there, but they haven't moved him back and forth between corner and free safety. They figured out that he can't do corner, so we're going to move him to free safety, but they've left him there. And I think that's a big learning curve for – Dolphins coaching staff is that they need to find players that excel at certain positions and then build their team around those players. And I hope that's Absolutely. their method. I really hope that's their methodology with the way that they're moving right forward. Um, like, I think that, you know, we can go to Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. 
this Dolphins team has not been built around him, per se. But he's making it work because they're finding players that can excel at certain positions. Like Devontae Parker is now a number one outside wide receiver for the first time in his five-year career or whatever. Um, Preston Williams was a number one outside wide receiver. Same concept, right? So I think that was that might be part of the reason why Jakeem Grant didn't show up so much is because they were trying to figure out where he needed to play. You know, is he an outside threat or is he an inside guy? Where is Albert Wilson playing? Where does Mike Gesicki play, right? Is he a blocking tight end or is he a seam route tight end? Can we line him up yeah. outside? And I guess the only thing that's exciting on my end, and I'll remind you that I'm part of the No Expectations Gang gang, so I'm not going to say that I'm disappointed in anybody because I didn't want to elevate any play. But I am excited to see. I, I am. Hello? Taylor? Hello? Can you hear me? I love that Midwestern internet. We right, here. Well, oh, you got it? You're here? Aggie, I feel like um, <laughs> I feel like Tom Hanks from Castaway. Aggie, Aggie. <laughs> Should we just wrap it up before we just lose it entirely? Then. Yeah, I guess I'm cool with that. No expectations, gang, gang. Yeah. Oh, hey. Um, chat a little bit about the charity of the week, real quick, and then we'll. Hey. So this week, especially around Christmas time, uh, I doubt we'll record another one. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy holidays. Happy Satan Worship Day. Whatever you guys decide to celebrate, um, that's good. But something that we can all get behind. Uh, charity of the week this week was we're going to run with the Children's Miracle Network. I know we featured St. Jude's Children's Hospital twice, but I almost think that the Children's Miracle Network is overshadowed by uh, these big-name charities. They do a lot of really cool stuff. They're basically located everywhere. If you guys go out of your way to just even look a little bit about the Children's Miracle Network, you're going to see how many great things that they actually do, um, kind of similar to that of, like, Shriners or things like that. But Children's Miracle Network this week, give them a look. Just remember that it's so important in their future. So whatever we got to do to make the world a better place for them is our due diligence, and we need to do that for them. 100%. I absolutely agree. Great great charity choice, Taylor. Uh, I know Thank this is your you. favorite, favorite part. I don't have any stats this time for you guys. Um, not in my usual setup. So, all right, with that... I think that wraps things up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, hopefully, we can start getting back on a regular schedule and we'll start swinging some cool guests back in here. Check us out at Midwestern Fins on Twitter. We got Spotify. We got Podbean. We got Apple Music, iTunes. We got all of it. Oh, yeah. Please subscribe, rate, comment. 
all that stuff on wherever you listen to. Damn Skippy. Right. Peace out, everybody.